Zay J. McCall, drop the mic. We've got producer Butters in with us as uh, basically it's become per usual for these podcasts now. Pretty much. Because we and like him sometimes. Yeah, we do. And we got a special guest, Dan from D&D Autos in with us. Thanks for coming in this week with us. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And uh, we're here to talk to him about the Derby stuff because we just came off of Cash Carnage. And from what I gathered from the conversation I get to have with Dan, anything Derby related, basically in the state of Utah, maybe everywhere, Dan knows. Well, I don't know about that, but I've been around a long time, so I uh, it runs in the family, I guess you could say. Well, that's cool to know, because I mean, I go to demolition derbies, but usually I just get like high on the fumes, and then I'm like, <laughs> "Cool, we good now." You know, and it, and it's interesting <laughs> you say that. A lot of people think, you know, there's 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 something for all at the demolition derby. There's a lot of people that come for the first time and enjoy it, and there's people that come and watch the strategy unfold. So it uh, has something for everybody. Cool. So can I can I ask you, Dan, because you alluded to your driver, but what was it like doing the planning side? Because you were more on the planning side of this one since it was here in Logan and you guys were a big part of it. Was it tough to watch? Was it tough to be a watcher, not a driver? You know, AJ, it's funny you say that because uh, I've been I've been watching the Logan Derby and haven't missed the Logan Derby since 1983. Wow. Uh, I was six months, well, 84, excuse me. I was six months old in uh, my first Derby and... and uh, and so I've been a driver since I was 16 years old. Right. Um, and not to age me, but that's about 15 years ago, you know, <laughs> <laughs> 20 years ago. So, um, and so I've been driving for a long time. I've got a lot of seat time in a derby car. And uh, to step back and promote a derby or help promote, I didn't promote it myself. I had a good team with us that uh, was able to, to really put on what we felt like was a good show. We hope the community loved it, but uh, it was hard. It was hard to step back and uh, watch everybody else have fun and uh, and be on the promoting side. I mean, I learned a lot. It's a uh, it's a it's a heavy job, big job, and uh, but I learned a ton. I do have a question for you on that though. Uh, out of all the derbies, because you have like the truck ones, the I, I guess what's the other one where you drive in a circle? The trash car, the trash car. Have racing? you done the trash car ones? I haven't. No. Okay, so we'll we'll take that one off. So I guess out of the truck or the car ones, which one do you like better? Uh, I've done a lot of different kinds. I've done cars. I've done trucks. I've done. Uh, there's what's called a passenger heat one. Um, there used to be ones called car football. I've done those. <laughs> I'm gonna watch that. Is that like and the ones like those? Occasionally, you see some of those car shows do where they like. Get like a big soccer ball. Is it the same kind of thing? And same then, thing, but a lot of them use a like a Volkswagen bug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You know, and you I have to score. I mean, I've done those, but but by far my favorite is just cars, straight up cars, just that's like cool. you saw here in Logan. I mean, it's just it's to me, it's the most competitive. Uh, you get the best drivers, best cars. I don't know. It's just to me, it's the funnest. Okay. When so you said that it's a family thing, and I know you. I've talked to you before. So your dad raced. Did somebody did your grandpa race or do? Excuse me, do derbies? I keep saying race. Or is it just is it your second generation? No, we're just second generation. My dad. My dad started in 1984. Um, one of his friends got him into it, and uh, and then my dad just obviously got the rest of us into it. Me and my brothers. There's six boys in my family, and so we. Cool. I mean, my dad does it. My mom's done it. My wife has done it, and all my brothers do it. On, I mean, not all of them do it at the same time, but they do do it here and there. 
Was it was it easy to get your wife to do it? Was it something that she had done before, or was that a conversation you kind of eased her in? Because I know you said coming up, right, you're doing the the passenger. You got uh-huh. a passenger heat. You're gonna go do. Yeah, I've got a passenger heat that me and my wife are driving in. Uh, not this coming weekend, but the next weekend in Heber City. Um, it's you know. Uh, I love my wife to death, but it's a great way for her to relieve some of that that stress. <laughs> I believe it. I believe that. <laughs> Getting the car smashed stuff, right. all good. Yeah. You can't tell me you haven't wanted to at Walmart parking lot. Oh, you know? please. <laughs> I was just at Walmart, and that's exactly what I wanted to do. I was going to say, do. every day for me. I, right. yeah. It's like, just get out of my way. Right. This so is, this, this, is a, this is a way of... Uh, that's a good idea. L- living out all your wildest dreams that you can't tell me you haven't wanted to do. Oh, oh for sure. I'm going to have to do this no next doubt. year. Well, that, that's, <laughs> that's a good place to start, Dan, because, uh, and I, I was lucky enough, I've got to hang out with Dan, that's how we got him on for the podcast. So I think a lot of people, maybe perception was in that you go to a junkyard, find a beat up car, and you if it runs, it's good. And then you're telling me that's not how it is anymore. It's changed drastically for derbies. You know, AJ, that's, that's exactly how it used to be. You know, you just go out down, find a neighbor, a lady across the street you know that junkyard and find an old car and and half the time they ran you know and uh you'd just kick the windows out and weld the doors shut or chain the doors shut and go out and have a good time um and that's pretty much how it was when i started and now it's it's changed it's a it's a very competitive sport um with drivers sinking tons of money into those cars i mean you look at the guy that uh, Anthony Tripler that won and, and Bronson Twitchell and even Stan McDonald that took third. I mean, those guys, it wouldn't surprise me a bit to see them have ten grand into their motor, tranny, driveline, axles, you know. Trip, Tripler's car looked really nice. It's it is crazy. Nice. He's got a great setup, great car builder. Um, and, you know, and that's probably on the low end compared to some of the derbies you go down in the Wasatch Front. Um, Utah is actually known nationwide for one of the best derby states there is. Really? In the the state of Utah. Little known fact. In the state of Utah, this summer, there's over a million dollars in prize money in derby. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. So from the perspective of that, with Utah giving out so much, how do you plan your season? You as a derby driver, is it – because I know you talking to – when you and I hung out and talked about the derby stuff, you talked to Triplett and Mac about that stuff, about, you know, are you going to this race? So how do you plan your season? Is it a place you've been to and you like? Do you look at the field? Um, a lot of the times, at least from my perspective, and, and, you know, if I'm building a fresh car, which is what I mean by fresh is a car that hasn't been driven before. Right. You know, if I'm building a fresh car, I'm looking for rules more than anything. Okay. You know, because everywhere runs different set of rules. And I, me personally, is as more of a light build type person, what they call stock. Okay. And that's what Logan was, is which a, somewhere where you can't do a whole lot to the car. Mm-hmm. Um, some people like heavy builds where you can really make a tank out of a car. You know, it's just all personal preference. Um, that's my first and foremost choice. But if I've already ran a car and it's got something left, then I'm just looking for somewhere to finish it off. Gotcha. You know, somewhere that's got similar rules or somewhere that's a close weekend, you know, timing. And so there's a few different, but to me, it's mostly the rules. So what's the process of a car? Cause we, I start off with the, the, you used to find a junker and now you, you do the equipment. So how do you build a car and then like. 
what's the preparation from finding, I guess, a vehicle that you like? Uh, what type of vehicle, I guess, do you find now that you since you said that you sink so much money? Like, how does that whole operation work in terms of building your derby car? Well, it's, you know, a lot of it has to do with personal preference. You know, there's there's certain kinds of cars that I like, which is a General Motors product, you know, Chevy, Buick, Oldsmobile, Pontiac, those kind of cars. But, uh, you know, and I've got my favorite years, which is anything from 71 to 76, 1971 to 1976, you know, and I've got friends that that enjoy a different kind of car right you know and so they look for those kind of cars and so i think most of it's just personal preference and to some people it's what you can find you so know? how does it work so say you find your your gm car between 71 and 76 what's the stages after that like how, how long does it take you to and what do you do to make it a derby car well you have to obviously there's some some of the rules and what you'd have to do is is uh take out anything that could fall off during the derby for example, glass, plastic, um, you know, the interior of the car, you know, you, you basically strip it down to nothing but the frame and the body. Uh-huh. I mean, period. And uh, then you start building up from there and you, you're for safety regulations. We have to put a cage in it. Right. Um, for lack of better words, which is just reinforcing the driver part of the car and, uh, and then there's certain things you can do from there. You have to weld your, you have to secure your door shut in one form or another and rules and the rules dictate from there how you can build a car. But, but most of it strip it down to nothing and then protect the driver and put a motor in it and, and uh, get it running and away you go. And don't so, you have to move the gas tank yeah, in, into yeah. the car? There's itself. certain things you have to do that way for safety, which okay. Um, one's the gas tank. We move them into the back seat okay. and the battery we move to the, basically in the car where the passenger's, passenger's feet would yeah. be. Okay. So, yeah. I, I did know that. Yeah. With, uh, so with that, is it something where like going into this season you had the car built or do you kind of start something and then as you pick out your season kind of modify it as it goes along? Well, a lot of the times I've got a few cars set aside, and and a lot of the times if I've got a car somewhat started, then then yeah, that plays into effect. You know, I don't very rarely have one done months in advance. A lot of times mine are <laughs> finished the night before. You know, yeah. McCall style. Oh, yeah. yeah, McCall style. That's how I do everything. You know, on the on, on the on the you know fly by the seat of your pants type deal, yep. but but. Uh, <laughs> You know, a lot of it, you know, you've got a couple cars that might be in different various stages and then pick a show that you can run that car at. When, uh, speaking of the modifying the car, so how about the night of the derby? So some of those cars, like we were just talking about, was it, was it 585 is the one we were talking the green one? Your brother, right? Yeah, my brother. His, his car, based, the roof was basically a staircase because it had been smashed so much. What's the process like finishing, say you made it out of that heat, you're going to go to the finals and now you have, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, an hour to go fix it. How does that work? Well, obviously, that's where, you know, some heavy equipment comes into play because uh, I know what they did was because as officials, we were real worried about that the, it was his hood or the the roof, really, yeah. that was caving in on the driver and he couldn't uh, put his head back all the way against the seat because the roof was right there right. and mm-hmm. it was slowly moving in. And so they, the officials stopped the heat and basically made him aware, look, you know, if that keeps coming in, we will stop the heat and pull you out because we don't want anybody getting hurt. Right. Um, safety is first and foremost. But 
And so they ended up, he ended up making it through and um, from his heat into the main event. So what they did was they went out and uh, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a bar that goes all the way across the top of the car. Uh-huh. And they hooked a chain to it and pulled it back up to the bar and then chained it to the bar. And so it couldn't come back down again. Got it. And uh, so um, that's how they fixed that car. Others, you know, like uh, Anthony Tripler that ultimately ended up winning the Derby had some issues during his heat. Um, and I think it was a wire that came loose on his car. And, and so he didn't make it through on his heat. And he went out plugged the wire back in, started it up, came out in the second chance heat, which is what we call the grudge match, made it through the grudge match and ultimately won the derby. Right. What are some of the what are some of your worst repairs you've had to make on the fly in, in between heats for you? Uh what did you use? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm waiting for the sledgehammer. I haven't heard that one yet. I'm, know, I'm sure that works well, in at some point. There's all sorts of uh different things you know and and uh i hate to say it but derby world kind of teaches you the ingenuity yeah and getting a little <laughs> bit creative uh i've plugged holes in oil pans with sticks um <laughs> yes just, just to try to keep a, a oil leak to slow it down right um we've you know obviously when you mentioned sledgehammers pounding metal out of the way for tires to turn uh torches to cut the metal away um, anything from a sawzall to a concrete saw to um, anything you can use as fast as you can use it to get back and get back into where you're going. You know. What does your repair toolbox look like? Because now I just want to know what do you have? What's like your go-to necessities? You know, <laughs> duct tape. You got this stuff over here. Wire cutters. All the above. What's like the go-to? Well, <laughs> I would. Kidding. I would definitely. Expect duct tape and some silicone in about anybody's toolbox. Yeah, that's fair. It's you know? <laughs> a good uh, call. And I hate to say it, but most of it's what's most of your best resources are what's lying in the bottom of your toolbox that you haven't used forever. <laughs> yeah. The, the miscellaneous <laughs> nut and bolt here and there, or the stick you tripped over all derby, and now all of a sudden you need it. You know, and I mean it's it. You get you get you teach you to be creative. <laughs> What it, when it, Derby Day? Some of the strategy that goes into it. Is it something where, like you said, you pick the rules? So is is it you got your car? You trust yourself as a driver? How much strategy goes into it? Because like for me, it's really easy to look at this as a sporting event. And you know, you and I were talking. There's people in the stands that were complaining in the preliminary heats about how cars weren't being aggressive enough. And and I was like, well, obviously, you want to try and save your car. You want to get through the heat and get to the finals. That's where you can really tear it off because you destroy your car like i'm sure I, your brother still did really well but his car was dinged up and he was great but i'm sure it kind of put him in a little bit more of a disadvantage in the finals which you know this is all about winning right so what you look at drivers ahead of time is it something where i don't know you walk by and take a look at their setups how does that go about derby day well you know and at most derbies especially here in logan everybody knows everybody right, right. you know and i and everybody knows what everybody's got unless it's something new and uh but all in all the day of the derby you know there's there's different people that might you know strategize with each other slightly um we discourage that to a certain extent but it still happens um and we we you know from a promoter standpoint we want people to go out and hit hard all the time yeah um from a driver standpoint being both it's hard that way because it's just like you say, there's strategy and there's a lot of money on the line. And uh, so, you know, the the strategy and the heat 
in the in the preliminary rounds is to get through the heat. Yeah. You know, be one of the last three. Because, you know, if you don't make it to the main event, there's no chance at money. No. You know, and so you've gotta you've gotta make it through that preliminary round to get to the main event so you have you put yourself in a chance of winning the big money. And uh you know, and and in the main event, in the in the main feature, it's kind of the same way too. You go out in the, while well, everybody's still moving around and junk your car, you don't stand that good of a chance. But on the flip side of that, you know, there's good money for the guy that's deemed the most aggressive driver. And so, you know, there's two ways to win: either either win the most aggressive driver or win first place. Where would you classify yourself as a driver? Are you a little bit more conservative to start with? Do you consider yourself maybe on the higher end of the, the mad dog, as it were, the more aggressive right. ones? Uh, well, me, myself, I would consider myself more of a conservative driver. Okay. You know, I have won a mad dog before. Um, it's not one of my – the the more trophies that I have on my wall, you know. Yeah. I've got more first-place trophies than I have mad dogs. Right. But uh, – you know, when you look at a driver like uh, Tripler or or uh, Scott Kuzmal that was there, I mean, they probably have more Mad Dogs than first place trophies. And, um, I mean, they both have both, and they're both great drivers. But uh, man, they know how to put on a show. Um, what are some of the things you would like? Because I know you and I were talking about some of the drivers out there, specifically one that you said was a younger driver. What's something is I'm sure because aggressiveness would be part of it. What's something that changes as you become more of an experienced derbier? Because I guess I I. I not to, uh, I guess, offend, but I guess I come into this slightly not not uh, not with a ton of derby watching experience. And so I'm assuming I think a lot of people just kind of classified as we get into cars and, you know, you invest in it, you go you go wreck up some cars and hopefully you get a little bit of luck that your car lasts a little bit longer than everybody else. Right. And AJ, and that's that's an interesting point you brought up because it's um, there. there's two different, well, there's a wide spectrum. There, there's your beginner drivers and then there's your veteran drivers. Right. You know, and if and if you've watched much, much of the sport, you can tell the difference. Uh-huh. You know, um, not to say that one's more aggressive than others, but there's a different driving style that's acquired. The more seat time is what I call it. The more okay. time you have in the arena. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at a driver like Coulter Wilker. That's that's it's the one that you're referring to. That's been Derby, and I think he's been Derby in three or four years. Um, so we'd consider someone still relatively new. Um, and great kid, loved the kid to death. Um, but when he first started, he was all out to make the big hit, right? You know, and he won a lot of trophies and a lot of money for for making those big hits. Um, but he was very rarely in the last three, right? You know, um, and over the last few years, we've had conversations him and I and and uh, and others um, and. Uh, He's he's definitely still a big hitter, which is what he loves to do, and that's I applaud him for that. Um, but he's he started to pick his hits a little bit different, and uh, from somebody that's seen a lot, you can tell. And uh, there's a, there's a different driving style that's acquired from those that drive a long time. Different techniques that they use in the arena. For example, a lot of the a lot of the veteran drivers keep the driver's door to the inside of the arena, which is it does a couple things for you. It makes people slow down when they come towards you because they can't hit the driver's door. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they can't be as all out and as full throttle because they have to be careful. Right. But if they were to have the passenger door in, you better watch out because they can go full throttle and catch you and, 
then that's when your rollovers happen and your big hits and stuff like that. And so, you know, that's just one example of, of one of the driving techniques that you see the more seasoned, I guess you could say. I don't want to say veteran, you know, because, you know, even some of the beginners do it. But, but it's one of the techniques that's picked up the more seat time you get. What was you uh, for like between? I know you said there's a wide spectrum. What what's the classification? How much seat time you think? I guess in terms of years or derby seasons, would you say is the difference between a young driver and a veteran driver? Like how long do you think it took you before you would have classified yourself as a veteran driver? Probably in hindsight, because at the time you probably thought you were greatest all the time. <laughs> yeah, so I was great all. the first time I drove. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's always how it goes. I'm the best ever. I've right. been the best ever forever. <laughs> well, you know, and and I think it's different for everybody because. You know, I've talked to a lot of young drivers, and I and I was my the same way myself. You know, and a lot of people think you get out there and, and you just need to hit somebody, right. and that's true. And that's what, you that's know? what I was saying. I was coming I mean, in with I, kind of that attitude. Yeah, I mean, I I remember I just want to hit somebody. You know, and that's and that's why a lot of drivers are. You get out there and you get the adrenaline, the the emotion, the 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 thrill. You know, of of hitting somebody legally. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> You know, that, it, that it's okay. I got it. You know, and uh, and I think, you know, and I think, and and don't get me wrong, I'm, I mean, I've drove for a lot of years and I still get that way, but it's, it's interesting as you start to see those young drivers make that switch to almost turn off the, the just want to go crazy and start to actually think about what you're doing. Right. And I don't, I couldn't say a year. I couldn't say because it's different for everybody. Right. But like for example, the 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 kid at Coulter that I was telling you about. I mean, he's he's made the switch faster than a lot of people I've ever seen. You know, I mean, he's he's really calmed down and think about what he's doing. And and don't get me wrong, he still tells me all the time, "Oh, I just wanted to hit him." You know, but uh, well, you got to be. I mean, you wouldn't be in that sport if you don't enjoy couple big hits at least. Yeah. Right. 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 You know, but it's it's so some people I'd say could be. A year or two, and some people it could be three or four. You gotcha. know, what are some of your biggest hits? I'm sure you got a couple. You got fresh. You got to you got to remember as kind of a mental trophy case. Well, I uh, <laughs> I've been I've case. been hit I've been hit big time a couple times. There's two times I've been rolled over. Really? Oh wow! Um, and one of the times in particular, I was up at Preston, and and there was a guy in the arena by the name of Frank Dickman. He's a phenomenal driver, and. Uh, and I was down at one end, and I was having problems with one of my battery connections. And so I was I was working on my battery connection, and I couldn't quite reach it. So I took my seatbelt off so I could reach it. Oh, no. Oh, wow. And I look up right as I see him turn the corner from the opposite end of the arena and just barrel into the throttle. And I'm thinking, oh, crap. You know? <laughs> and so I, uh, I slide back in my seat. And try to get my seatbelt on. I couldn't quite get it on all the way. Next thing I know, I was on my lid with people asking me if I was okay. You know? <laughs> wow! Oh my gosh! So, you know, and and I it, that was pretty fun. But but as far as me hitting people, the best, uh, you know, I'm probably not as known for the big hits like that. But my favorite hits is when I hit a car and they don't move again. For example, <laughs> yeah. for for example, like breaking a tire or pushing them over the dirt or. You know, something like that. When I, and it may not be a big hit, but it was a very so well, <laughs> yeah, very effective hit. Those so are my favorite. With that, because uh, going from big hits to, I guess, back to strategy, do you identify, because I, I, you, you got your D&D &E auto, right? You've been doing it forever. Your dad's been doing it forever. So I would assume 
you know cars pretty well inside and out. So is it easy for you to like look at what's in the field and say, okay, that you know, what's the weak point here? I'm going to hit this tire. I'm going to hit this side. Is that something you do, or is it more just you kind of take your chances? You hit where you can. And you try to strategize, but you know, once once everything going all balls to the wall, you just kind of try and do what you can. No, there there definitely is a certain amount of strategy that way. Um, uh, Chevy's um, GM General Motors products are typically well known to take hits and last a little bit longer okay. than some others. <laughs> Um, it's because they're like a rock. But you've got you've <laughs> solid. Got, yeah, like a rock. And you know you got your Chryslers and stuff like that that are that stay a little bit straighter, a little bit longer. But once they start to cave, they go fast. Okay. Um, you know, one of the big cars back in the day um, was a Chrysler Imperial, and you, I mean, you couldn't take the thing out unless you took out the front tires. You know, so there is a certain amount of 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 knowing what car somebody else is in to know right. the weaknesses of the car. Right. Um, you know, like, like if you can hit a lot of the times on the driver's side coming in on an angle, you can get mess up their steering okay. on that front corner. Um, so there's a certain amount of strategy in knowing, yes, what kind of car you're up against on where they're tough, where they're not. So I, w- I want to ask you now, because uh, what we saw, I think, with this derby was there a lot of drivers from, you know, with Cache Valley in Utah and you said that a lot of the drivers there knew each other. So with any competitive thing, I think there's going to be bad blood and all that. So how, how does that work Like uh, in terms of – do you guys – I mean, I guess is there – not to name names, I guess. Is there people that you just – you go to events and you're like, oh, you, and vice versa? Like there's people you, you look forward to driving with. Like you're, oh, that guy's going to be there. I'm glad. And, you know, In terms of that kind of ally, enemy thing where you know there's people who are like, okay, this guy will have my back maybe for a little bit. That guy, I'm. Oh, I can't wait to get a hold of that one. Yes, there is a certain amount of that, but it comes down to the adage too. You know, you keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Right. You know, um, don't get me wrong. There's there's alliances. You know, there's friendships. There's uh, um, out there, no matter where you're at. Um, but if I'm up against somebody that's a very good competitor, I don't let them very far from me. You know, of course. I may not. I may not gun for them. But no means am I going to be opposite of the end of the arena from them, you right. know, because then you, then that's where your big hits and one big hit could put you out. Right. You know, and so there's there's some big names out there, but and there's some bad blood, you know. Uh, the Derby world is a very close. There's not a lot of us, you know. I mean, there's not very many people I don't know or don't know me, um, and that goes for most of the drivers. Right. You know, that's not just me. But uh, that goes for most of the drivers, and so uh, there is, and it's something that is, can get heated at times, <laughs> you know, and is quite comical at times. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, for example, so-and-so had, was, was trying to buy a car, and somebody else bought, him from, bought the car from underneath them, and, you know, well, the next derby I go to, I'm going to wreck them, and, you know, there's a certain amount of that. But for the most part, and that's why I enjoy the sport of demolition derby so much. Is most everybody is would almost do anything they could to help you out. Cool. You know whether it's be sharing parts or knowledge or pointers, it doesn't matter. You know even if it's somebody they've got to compete against the next weekend, they'll still help you the bet to be as competitive as they can, even though they're going to be running against you. Right. What's the uh, furthest away derby you've gone to? What's the first you travel for a derby? 
Because I know you said you, t- you started us off by talking about how Utah was one of the best, but yeah. I'm assuming you've done yeah. a little bit of travel. Furthest I've gone is Canada. Oh, wow, really? Where yeah. at? Well, I went to uh, Vulcan, Canada, uh-huh. um, uh, which is from Logan. It's about 22-hour drive, <laughs> straight up I-15. And uh, there's a great show put on by a bunch of Canadians up there that uh, me and another kid from here from Cache Valley and a group from Ogden and even a, and uh, one of our teammates, it was a team derby. Oh, okay. There was three cars on a team. And we went up there with two teams and uh, competed. It was a fun derby. Is it, is, I, I guess I wouldn't have guessed that. I, but is it derby and big up in Canada too? Oh, yeah. It's just, yeah, oh, it's, really? it's big up there. And we get a lot of Canadians that come down to our derbies down here in Utah. Really? Yeah, strictly because huh. it's good money. Interesting. You know? huh. Well, uh, do you mind if I ask you a little bit about the business side of that? Because I know problem. it's a hobby, but how does that, uh, does it being a hobby make it so it's easier to determine, you know, it's less so good year, bad year, but. Does it being a hobby make it less so that it's maybe not so much you think of the business, or do you still find yourself thinking about a business in terms of, okay, here's what I've spent this year, here's how I won, good year, bad year, broke even, made money, lost money? Well, a lot of that is uh, my wife, really. She tells me what I can and cannot spend. You know? That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you know, fair. But, but in all honesty, she's a great person because she supports my habits. And, and uh, over the last... 10 years at least i've probably broke even at least eight or nine of the 10 years okay you know one more than i spent and so she's she's been great that way to and we we build together and and we talk about everything but but you're absolutely right it's you know and and what i what's been my philosophy is every time i win money i try to buy something new you know some new part some new maybe a new car something and so it's not like a big expense all at once. And then you right. can look into it as an investment. Right. And it's like, oh, yeah. Trust me, I look at it like that all the time. <laughs> derby investment. Oh, I don't look at it as a derby investment because <laughs> I don't race derby. But so with with yes, that, and uh, obviously, you know, uh, I know you got, you got wife and your kids and, you, you know, you got the business, but are there are there people that make uh, year-round, well, maybe not year-round, I guess, because it's more of a summer sport, but just... That's what they do, or is it for everybody? It's more so of a hobby, and you just look forward to like the big season, and then you go back and get ready for next year, and kind of go back to everyday life. Yeah, well, and and you know, most of the drivers have everyday lives and jobs and and everything that way anyway, and it's and it's something that we do nights and weekends to get ready for to put on a show the next weekend. Right. Um, but we do spend the off season, which is generally from you know the middle of October to the first of may you know getting you know if you got a hurt set up or you got to rebuild your motor or you know rebuild your transmission or something we spend a lot of that time doing that kind of stuff right but uh during the season it's it's it gets there's not a lot of spare time you know and and you know i'm fortunate because i got some good friends that'll help me and my wife helps me and my kids will come down and help me you know and so it's it's a family sport for us you know, and it is, and it is for most drivers, um, and so that's what's fun, and and uh, but you know, a lot of it is just doing what I can to to juggle both life and hobby. <laughs> how how many cars do you go through in a season on average? I I I'll usually build two to three a year. Oh, it's not too bad. You know, is so it? it's not bad. Okay. You know, but I'll usually get I'll usually drive anywhere from five to six shows a year. And so it's not a lot, 
I know some people, especially here in the Valley, will do up to 10. Wow. The most I've ever done in one year was 13. Um, wow. that is that was, multiples a, a weekend or is that, yeah, was that you were lot. able to spread that out over like a one a weekend? It's usually one every weekend, okay. but the but my favorite time was I went to a derby on Friday night and it was a truck derby and I won that and I uh, came up here to a derby on Saturday night in a car and won it too. Right. So I won two derbies in one weekend. That was fun. And winning it would winning it would probably make it one of my favorite derbies too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and when, when you're winning, it's always easier to keep 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 going and keep buying parts and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes it easier. That's true. So I think I got one last question, and we I sort of touched those bad blood. So for you, especially someone who's driven, and now you've got to do kind of the judging aspect this past weekend with it. What is a cheap shot in in a derby for you? That's a very important question. Uh, a cheap shot to me is is somebody that's disabled, and you know because everything in derby is timed. You know, I mean, we get two minutes to make a hit, and so sometimes there's cars that you know say broke a distributor cap or broke an axle or and it's just there's absolutely no way for them to make another hit. But if they pull their flag, their time stops, you know, and so they, you know, it, it could make the difference of fourth place or third place, right. you know, if they keep their flag up. And so, you know, my, my, uh, definition of a cheap shot would be, would be if I was running around still driving good and there was a car that was based, that was disabled, you know, and I knew it was disabled and I hit it anyway, right? you know. And not necessarily like a bump or something, but just a cross arena shot track on somebody that had absolutely zero chance of advancing. Right. So is that do you? I think that that's a pretty specific example. Does that mean that you put a lot of the onus, I guess, on well, if the car is questionable, the the driver itself for pulling its flag then, because obviously they you keep flag up. Technically, you're still saying I'm still, still in the game. Right. Yeah. So you're saying you put a lot more onus on maybe the driver as opposed to the person. Well, that, the, yeah, that, and, you know, and, and, you know, if I was, if I had zero chance of being in the money, then you might as well just pull your flag because right. it's, you know, the, it doesn't matter right. at that point, you know, but if it's down to a, the last couple and it's, and it could make the difference, then you know, yeah, I'm going to leave it up, you know, and, and it is up to the driver. If you don't want to get hit, pull your flag. Absolutely. And yeah. so that's why it, it, it wouldn't necessarily be an illegal hit, you know, and you wouldn't be disqualified for it, but. You know, it's borderline, you know, like you would say, like a cheap shot. Right. You know, because it's it's uncalled for. Gotcha. You know, and, and a lot of the a lot of the veteran drivers too will look for uh you know, I mean, if somebody's not looking and you hit them and they're not looking, man, they hurt. You know? Yeah. Like you the yeah. like you if you can take a shot you see coming. Right. Very rarely are they going to hurt all that bad okay. the next day. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. But but if if you get waylaid on a on a shot that you didn't see coming, you know those hurt. And so a lot of the veteran drivers and and you know and it's I guess it comes down to personal preference because some will some won't. But it's some of those shots that I think that that could be watched out for more than they are. That just I I, I have one more question just because you mentioned that. Um, What's the, and uh, if you don't want to share, I guess that's fine too, but what's the worst injury you suffer? Because I know you said safety's important, you modify the cars and stuff, and obviously uh, uh, you 
drivers, it seems like most, for the most part, try to drive respectfully so they're not trying to hurt anybody, just trying to put your car out. But what's, I'm sure there's been some dings and bumps along the way. Well, the uh, my chiropractor would probably tell you that I need to yeah. give it up, but <laughs> but uh, you know, other than being a little out of an adjustment or something like that, uh, and uh, give a little shout out to Doctor Stuckey and Hiram, he kind of keeps yeah. me in the business. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, um, but the worst I've ever been hurt is is I was in a derby in Malad, Idaho, and I had a. A car hit me and it kind of came up over the front corner and it and it broke the the well it popped the radiator cap off, but it not only popped it off but it pointed right at the it kind of bent it pointed oh, wow. right in the car, Ooh. and so it, all that hot water, Ooh. you know, was coming into the cab and I got burned on the Ugh, on my chest and arms and it was wasn't horrible but it's probably the worst i've ever been hurt and it's definitely so not nothing, comfortable no <laughs> no it wasn't comfortable but it wasn't thank goodness it wasn't. Uh, uh, worse. I mean, I've seen people break fingers or yeah. or break their nose or put their lip through their or their teeth through their lip or stuff like that. <laughs> and and knock on wood, I've never had anything like that. But yeah, no you. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Dan. I uh, really appreciate you coming in. Wish you best of luck with the season. Now that you got to get back behind the driver's yeah, wheel, go back to a driver now. So uh, hopefully, it's a fruitful season for you. Yeah, makes two of us. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again, Dan from D D Auto's been in with us. For the Drop the Mic producer Butters in as well. Yep. This has been AJ McCall. Drop the mic on Demolition Derbies.